Hello everyone and welcome to the PJB Sports Pod. Hey y'all, welcome to the British Grand Prix preview episode. Um, go over the track and its history, and since it's a short week, I'll even go over the history of each turn on this circuit. Okay, love this track. I'd love to go in the history of it. But uh, go over what happened here last season, one of the craziest races I've ever watched. Go over each team and their updates, kind of what's going on throughout the season. Then go over my predictions for the weekend. Okay, so the track. Silverstone Circuit is where we're headed this week. The track is 5.891 kilometers in length with a total race distance of 306.198 kilometers. Completed over 52 racing laps. The track contains 18 corners, 10 to the right and 8 to the left, with two DRS zones, one down the Wellington Strait between turns 5 and 6, with the other coming down the Hangar Strait after the Maggots and Beckets section and before Stowe. Fun fact, Silverstone is one of two tracks not to have a pitch straight that contains a DRS zone, with the other being Abu Dhabi at the end of the year. Lewis Hamilton has the most wins among drivers in this event with 7 victories to his name while Ferrari have 17 victories to lead all of the constructors. As I said, because of the short turnaround nature of back-to-back races, I have time to tell you the names of each corner on the Silverstone circuit to fill in and keep the episode from being about 5 minutes long. So we're going to go straight through the circuit from start to finish. Turn 1, we have Abbey, named after Luffield Abbey, the remains of which were found near where this corner lies. Abbey being known as like cathedral, church kind of thing. Turn two is farm. This one is easy. The straight bit used to pass close to a nearby farm. Easy. Turn three is called village, named for Silverstone Village. Just north of the track, some 2,000 people live there and are joined by 120,000 temporary residents when they have race weekends here. Turn four, the loop. This is the only corner to be named after its shape. The loop is the slowest corner on the track. Turn 5, Aintree. Aintree is the name of the great Grand National Horse Race, and for five years in the late 50s and early 60s, it hosted the British Grand Prix. The Wellington Strait, no, not a corner, obviously, it's the Strait. During World War II, the circuit was used for Wellington bombers, and this Strait in particular was part of front of the, run- the runways. If I could speak, that'd be fantastic. Turn 6, Brooklands. Uh, The pre-war home of British motorsport was Brooklands. So the corner here bears its name to honor the old track. Turn 7, Luffield. Same as Abbey, this corner was named after Luffield Chapel. Turn 8, Woodcut. The Royal Automobile Club had the power to name corners, and this one is named after the Woodcut Park uh, an RAC-owned club in Surrey, if I'm saying that correctly. Maybe Surrey. I don't know. I'm going to go with Surrey, though. Turn 9, Cops. Copses are green fields and small pockets of dense woodland. So near to Cops Corner, we have Chapel Cops and Cheese Cops to give it its name. Turns 10 and 11 are Maggots. Nearby Maggot Moor gives the corner its name, a village to the northeast of the circuit. Turns 12 and 13 are Beckett's, with turn 14 being Chapel. These two share the origins of their names. Coming from the medieval chapel of St. Thomas at Beckett, demolished in 1943 to make room for the Silverstone Airfield. Then we go down the Hangar Strait. Shockingly, the strait was named because of there being two large hangars 
on the airfield built along this street. Sorry, I really just can't speak today. I don't know what's going on. Then we have turn 15, which is Stowe. Stowe School gets the honor of this corner's name, a fast right-hander taking you towards pit lane or the next corner, wherever you decide to go. Turn 16 is Vale. Vale has two different origins, one being that Vale is another word for valley, and this part of the track is the most undulating and lowest elevation point on the track, while the other theory is that this section of the track sits within the district of Aylesbury Vale. Turns 17 and 18, the last two corners on the circuit, are named after RAC's famous clubhouse in London, simply called Club Corner. Fun fact, the iconic gold trophy awarded to winners in this race is the RAC Cup and is the oldest prize in Formula One. Unlike other trophies that get taken to the team's shops and factories, this one is returned as soon as the podium celebrations are over. Last season's race, Carlos Sainz got his first career pole in a wet qualifying session of Max Verstappen on the front row, with Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez filling out row two. Lap one of this race saw a massive crash. Alex Albon smoked the inside barrier hard enough to set off a G-force sensor and force an airlift ride to a local hospital, while Zhou Guanyu's car was overturned and rolled over the tire barriers in turn one and into the catch fence. George Russell was involved and stopped on track to run over and check on Zhou Guanyu, but everyone would end up being okay. Max Verstappen suffered four damage from a piece of debris off of Yuki Tsunoda's Alpha Tauri that saw the Ferraris take control of the race until a late race safety car left Charles Leclerc out in the lead with worn hard tires to defend from a pack of cars fitted with brand new softs. Needless to say, we saw some incredible battling through the end of the race. Who can forget the through Ghost Hamilton call from Crofty? I mean, iconic stuff. Carlos Sainz would take home his maiden, maiden Formula 1 victory ahead of Sergio Perez and Lewis Hamilton. Charles Leclerc, Fernando Alonso, Lando Norris, Max Verstappen, Mick Schumacher, Sebastian Vettel, and Kevin Magnussen would round out the points finishers in that race. This is actually the race that I did my very first episode of this podcast one year ago for. But anyways, team updates so far on this season. Red Bull, we have more teammate drama now. The sprint in Austria brought some more tension back to the Milton Keynes outfit. Max Verstappen squeezing Sergio Perez towards the pit wall at the start was followed by Sergio Perez squeezing Max onto the grass on the run-up to turn three. Then Max going for a super late dive bomb on Checo into the corner, forcing both of them wide before running Checo wide again at turn four and letting Nico Hulkenberg through for second at that moment. The explanations afterward were hilarious. Uh, Sergio Perez said that he never saw Max when he squeezed him, even though Anthony Davidson did a great job of singling out the bit where Checo looked in his mirrors right before he squeezed him onto the grass. Then Checo said he let Max through in turn three, even though Max dove back dove down the inside from about eight car lengths behind Checo. Anyways, tension is clearly rising in the Red Bull camp, which is made worse by Sergio Perez's shortcomings in qualifying. Both of those things are leading to speculation about Red Bull replacing Checo. Daniel Ricciardo is being tossed around as a possible replacement, not being helped by Christian Horner and Ricciardo himself talking about how strong his pace has been on the simulator, but when asked, the team insists that Sergio Perez's seat is safe with the team and an extension is still in place through the end of next season. Then we have Mercedes with some upgrades incoming. Total Wolf has hinted that another major set of upgrades will be hitting the W14 at Silverstone, and if that's the case, Mercedes will firmly cement themselves in the gap between Red Bull and the chasing pack. The drivers will certainly be hoping that that's the case. 
Hamilton seems to still be unhappy that the teams took so long just to change the concept of the car and isn't satisfied with it yet, while George Russell has only gotten worse since these upgrades were put on the car relative to his teammate. Silverstone seemed like a great leveling track last season when the Mercedes challenged at the front with the zero-pod design and slight porpoising still. Imagine what they can do this year with an upgraded car a year on from that. Aston Martin, are they having upgrades or downgrades on their car? Here's a deflating circumstance. Since the Aston Martin upgrades hit the car last time out in Canada, it seems like they've only been further off the pace from Red Bull. Fernando Alonso and Lance Stroll are falling further down the pack in Austria at the second time of asking to prove my point. Lance also still seems to be struggling with his wrists, with onboard cameras catching him taking his hands off the wheel down the straights to move them around, stretch him out. If the upgrades aren't actually improving the car like they were anticipated to and one of the drivers isn't fully healthy, Aston Martin will be getting a lot worse before they get any better. Then we go to Ferrari. Are they back on form yet? Since the new downwash side pods were introduced and the baby bath side pods were thrown out, the Ferraris have seemed easier to drive but also more suitable to Carlos Sainz than Charles Leclerc. With the new front wing in Austria especially, Sainz seemed to have the pace to match or even outpace his teammate, showed even more when in Canada, and again in Austria, when the pit wall had to tell Carlos not to attack Charles. Going to a track where Carlos won his first pole and had his first victory last season, after strategy blunders cost Leclerc, it will be interesting to see if the Scuderia will show up well in Silverstone. Alpine, when will they show up? Alpine had so much hype leading into the season, not helping themselves by saying the aim was to be 4th but closer to the top 3 than they were to 5th place. Well, they currently sit in 5th place, with McLaren only 18 points behind them, with upgrades coming to both cars that actually appear to be working, whereas Alpine is hit or miss, track dependent every weekend. With the CEO Laurent Rossi breathing down team principal Otmar Safnauer's neck, improvements will need to be made to salvage fifth in the constructors at least, if not improve enough to challenge for the top four. McLaren having some upgrades. Speaking of which, uh, they were supposed to go 50%, then 25 and 25 at each of the following two races, one being the British Grand Prix and the next being at Hungaro Ring. It seems like the McLarens might have just bolted all of them onto Lando Norris's car and waited for Oscar Piastri's this weekend, but we'll have to wait and see. How much better did Lando Norris look with those upgrades in Austria? Oscar Piastri's struggles in the original car compared to Lando's improvement. Um, it's, uh, it's safe to say that this car will likely be challenging for the bottom of the points every race and picking up the pieces when the teams ahead of them struggle. Uh, they even toppled Mercedes entirely in Austria with Lando's car, so this team could end up in the top four if they keep up the improvements that they've made with these upgrades. Alfa Romeo. Do they have the worst car on the grid? Just my thoughts. I think that both Alfa cars, as in Romeo and Tauri, are tied for worst on the grid, but the Alfa Romeo is the most hit or miss easily. They either make the bottom of the points or the bottom of the classifications. No real in between. The worst part for Alfa Romeo fans is that the team doesn't sound like they have upgrades coming, or at least any of substance, and when they do get the points that they get, it's barely any, like minimal at best. Haas, can they finally put together a full weekend? Haas are the exact opposite of Mercedes, where they qualify well and race extremely poor. A pattern that's held up all season and another team that doesn't sound like they have any big upgrades in the pipeline that help this issue. If Haas can put together weekends rather than being good in qualifying and falling down the order in the race, 
they could be scoring some good points with regularity. Williams, this is Logan Sargent's best shot yet. Sargent got the pole in F2 last season in Silverstone and won the feature race. If there's any track on the calendar that Sargent can have his coming out party, it will be this weekend. Last season, Latifi outqualified Albon in the upgraded Williams before Albon crashed out on lap 1, and Latifi failed to score points after making Q3. Then we get to Alpha Tauri. The Nick DeVries versus Yuki Sonoda update is here, and it's Yuki Sonoda, that is all. The team has two points to its name, both come from Yuki, and DeVries will vastly need to improve to keep his seat after this season. The pressure is already on him with Helmut Marco saying that Christian Horner was right in doubting DeVries was the right driver to replace Gasly. Okay, so now we doubled the length of the episode that I thought it was going to be. We will go to my predictions for the weekend. Double McLaren points, baby. The upgrades worked in Austria, and the other car of Oscar Piastri is getting them in Silverstone. I'm going with positive momentum and my favorite team to capitalize on their new upgrades. Second prediction, no Williams points. Last year, they didn't get any, and I'd argue that this car is even less competitive than at this point last season. With another unproven driver alongside Alex Albon, I think they'll sit on the fringes of points but not actually score. Two or more retirements from the Grand Prix. A lot of the races this season have seen two or less cars uh, retire, but Silverstone always chucks up a wild race, so I will say that we get another wild one and get a crash or two to match a mechanical failure, and we get multiple retirements from the race on Sunday. Non-Red Bull pole. Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc and Lewis Hamilton and George Russell. Where you at? All four have the track record to pull it off. Signs did this last season. Leclerc is one of the best qualifiers in the sport. Hamilton goes well around his home track. And Russell used to drag the Williams cars to Q3 in this event. And I didn't even mention Fernando Alonso or Orlando Norris. I will also end my predictions with a crash to happen at Brooklands. Uh, these used to happen a lot. Going down the Wellington Strait where a car would either lose control in the hard braking zone or make contact going for an overtake... I'll say that we get one of these crashes this weekend at some point between FP1 and a checkered flag in the Grand Prix. My podium prediction for the weekend is Max Verstappen to win yet again. Excuse me, Lewis Hamilton to take second and Charles Leclerc to round out the podium. Hopefully when I talk to you after the race on Sunday, something like that will have taken place so I can at least claw back some points in my predictions for the season. But that's all I got for you. I'll talk to you after the race. Bye-bye.